I want, to, I want to begin tonight in Ephesians chapter 5, and I've been talking about the kingdom of God, and I just want to continue to talk about that a little bit more tonight, and I want to read this to you in Ephesians 5, and I'd like to begin in verse 8, and Father, I just pray you bless your word, that you would give us a revelation of your truth, that you would strengthen our hearts and our lives, God, to be diligent soldiers for you in this worthy cause that we are committing our lives to, in Jesus' name, amen. So Paul says in verse 8, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And I just I'll just let that stand out. This is a walk, all right? It's not a sit down. It's not an observation. It, it is a walk. It is not just something you come and watch other people do. You are now children of light, and we are to walk this way. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doeth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I believe that's what the will of the Lord is. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's the answer to everything. Whatever you need to do, the Holy Spirit will show you. That is the thing that we need to have. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, and this is how you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And so I want to just take a few moments and I want to just expound upon this and I want to talk to us about just walking as children of light, living a life of consistency, a life of, of faithfulness to God because of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. There's nothing possible in this life apart from the Holy Spirit. There's no way that we can serve God. There's no way that we can pray. There's no way that we can worship. There's no way that we can do ministry that is of any value to God or his kingdom apart from the Holy Spirit. Understanding what the will of the Lord is, is not primarily you understanding what God's call is on your life or what particular ministry you're supposed to be involved in. It doesn't matter if you know that and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Understanding what the will of the Lord is, is understanding how desperate I must be to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to say this to you. I've, I've pastored here for 37 years, and I want you to understand that I've come to learn and understand that I do not put my hope in men. I do not look to men. I, I have come to realize this over the course of my life that the people that you thought were going to be the key players, these were the people that were going to really help build the church. These were the men and the women that were going to really turn things around and do phenomenal things for the kingdom of God and for First New Testament Church. Rarely ever did that occur. 
Actually, the people that God would begin to use came from different areas of life you would have never expected. It was not the people that seemed to have natural ability, but they had no ability at all. They were not the scholars of God's word, but they just had a simple and an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And God would begin to do phenomenal things through their life. And I quickly realized, or maybe it wasn't as quick as I wanted to, but I came to realize that my hope was not in men or women, but my hope was in those people who really relied upon the anointing of the Holy Spirit in their life. They were constant. They were dedicated. It did not matter the emotions. It did not matter the trials. It didn't matter what the day was like. If it was a good day or if it was a bad day. It didn't matter the seasons of life, whether it was a time of gain or a time of loss. These were the people, because of the power of the Holy Spirit in their life, that remained faithful day in and day out. In trials or in tribulations, when life was fun or when life was boring, these were the people that had some kind of relationship with God by the Holy Spirit that was determined, not for me and not for the church, but for God's sake, they were living for something that was absolutely supernatural. And they had entered in to supernatural living. And I just want to say that to you because I really believe that Jesus Christ has called us to live supernatural lives. That just simply means life beyond your ability. And a lot of times we look at people because of their ability and we begin to rely upon them for that in itself. But that's not going to remain. But people that live through supernatural ability, supernatural anointing is really actually very, very special. I want you to know that you have to know what God wants. And you have to have the faith to live by this supernatural life. And I want to explain it to you this way. And I I know I've alluded to this in, in recent years past. But there are things that you do every day in your life because it is important to your life. And you just do that, whether it is your, your personal hygiene, um, you dress, you do this every day. You go out into the world and you take care of yourself because you understand that your, your presence and the way you project yourself is going to make opportunity for you or it's not going to make opportunity for you. There are things you do for your personal benefit that you may not enjoy doing every day. But you know that it's something that's important to your health and your benefit. You brush your teeth, you, you shower, you bathe, you wash yourself, you dress yourself, you, you clean yourself, you, you do these things, you exercise, you work out, you, you try to watch what you eat, and you try to discipline yourself in that. And these are things that you do, you do every day. When you were a baby, when you were a child, your parents had to tell you to do these things. Like, you know, go take a shower, go bathe, make sure that you brush your teeth when you wake up, when you go to bed, make sure that you brush your teeth. And you constantly had that kind of coaching in your life. And therefore you did it because there were people in your life that were making sure that you did it. But there comes a point in your life when you leave childhood and you step into an adult person And now you don't need somebody constantly telling you what to do. Brush your teeth when you wake up. Brush your teeth when you go to bed. Bathe yourself. Smell good when you go out in the world so that your odor doesn't offend people. You know, just things like that. You you don't have people coaching you to do that. But in the spiritual arena, 
when you begin to find people in Christ living a supernatural life that have stepped into spiritual adulthood and they don't have to constantly be coached as to what they're supposed to do spiritually. They don't have to constantly be told to put on Jesus Christ. They don't have to constantly be told, hey, let's praise God. They don't have to constantly be told, let's rejoice in the Lord. Because the Bible said it, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You have to tell a baby to keep doing that. But when somebody steps into spiritual adulthood, they've got it. It's something they do in their life because they understand the spiritual value that comes with it. They, they're living a supernatural life through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can count on them. They're constant. The Holy Spirit is using them in their life because they don't have to keep going back to the basics or being elementary. And then you kind of bring them along and bring them along. It's kind of like, you know, you have an incredible Sunday morning service. You have an incredible altar and you want to come back to church that night and just start right there. And you can just launch from where you left. You're just going back. But when there's spiritual immaturity infants spiritually, then when you come back Sunday night, you got to start all over again from the very basics to try to get them back to this spiritual plane. How blessed it is to be able to have people who are spiritually mature and they know how to dress, they know how to behave, they know how to put on Jesus Christ, they know how to be filled with the Holy Spirit and they do it without having to be told. And they walk and they live in a supernatural lifestyle. This has to occur in kingdom living. It has to occur. We must come to the place spiritually of knowing and acting. This is the life of faith. Faith knows what to do and it does it. And if it doesn't do it, then that faith is dead indeed. Faith without works is dead. Being in your place, personally set on edifying the church with your gift all the time without having to be taught to do it, told to do it, coached to do it, is spiritual maturity. The purpose of the church is to be the habitation of God by the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit habiting that church is that there might be a river of life that flows out of the belly of the church. When I realize that, That there is a divine purpose of God. And regardless of what my week has been like. Regardless of what my day has been like. Regardless if I'm tired. If I'm sick. If I'm agitated. If I'm upset. If I'm offended. I must put all of that away. I must put on Jesus Christ. And I must go to a Wednesday night church meeting. So that the Holy Spirit can move through my life. I don't have to have anybody tell me to do that. I am coming for the purpose of somehow being a vessel for the Holy Spirit to pour himself out through. I don't need anybody to tell me or anybody to coach me or anybody to prime the pump for me to be able to serve God. I want to come and do that. I'm conscious of that. The things of God depend upon me. And the things of God depend upon you. And as I've taught you before, the Mississippi River is mighty. Because of the many tributaries that pour into it. 
And the degree of God's presence and the might of God's presence in our church, the degree of healing, the degree of miracles, is not because there's a one strong river, but because of all the tributaries, which is all of you guys, that will allow the Holy Spirit to pour into one river, and that river can be mighty. The healings, the power, the miracles, the deliverances that could occur. Because we all come in here putting on Christ and we don't have to be treated like spiritual infants to say, okay, this is what we do now. Now let's floss our teeth. Now let's comb our hair. Now let's, let's, let's put on our, our, our pajamas or whatever it might be to get ready for bed. We know what to do and we do it. That is so necessary and urgent for the kingdom of God. The church is either the witness of the living God or it is the witness of Satan by its life. The world can either look at the church and see the life of God or Satan can point to the church and point to an accusation that God is dead. And let us be a people who will always reveal the life of God. I hear people say sometimes, well, I don't want to be in the flesh. I don't even know really what that means. I don't want to be in the flesh. There are many times, I guess it was the old timers that said you would pray through. And that, mean, that means that you would come to God and maybe you started in the flesh. But you're, you're acting in faith to the promise. And you're going to pray through. I'm not going to wait till I have these holy feelings. I'm not going to wait until I have these spiritual aspirations. I know that God exists. I know he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And though my flesh may be cold or my heart may be cold, or I might not be totally into it, or I might be distracted, I'm not going to allow that to dictate what God needs tonight. I'm going to begin to pray, begin to worship, begin to praise God until I break through. And that's what he teaches us in Ephesians chapter 5. You sing and you make melody. How long? Until it comes from your heart. It may not start in your heart. Sing and make melody in your heart. When your heart begins to make the melody, that's when the overflow of the Holy Spirit begins to happen in your life. And so we come and we exercise ourselves in faith because we believe God is a rewarder. We give him praise because he says to. We, we exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit because this is how lost people are going to know that God is indeed among you. And there's a world out there that needs to find God. And they need to know where to go in order to find him and to be able to know him. And so people say, I don't want to be in the flesh. But oftentimes we're in our flesh by depression or we're in our flesh by self-pity. Is it not the flesh that refuses to enter into the presence of God by the biblical and spiritual way? Is it not the flesh that's embarrassed, so abused that it can't love, so hurt that it can't trust, so religious that it can't be biblical? What do you mean that you don't want to be in the flesh? If you don't want to be in the flesh, then get into the spirit. Crucify your depression, crucify your despair, crucify the excuses and move into the presence of God where there's joy and healing and life and power and overflow. When it comes to this about awake thou that sleepest and Christ will give you light. I wanted to take a moment there. It's Ephesians 5 verse 14. And I wanted to take a moment there and just... Make some comments about this. And I don't want you to think that sleeping is just to be inactive or to be dead. But it's simply to have Christianity down to an art that God is not there and you don't know it. 
I would explain it to you this way. When, when my children were babies, and just like you have done with your babies, we would put them to sleep. We would rock them to sleep. We would put them in their baby beds, and we would stay beside their baby beds, and we would sing to them or read to them or speak to them or pray over them while they're going to sleep. And we would do that with them until they fell asleep. And our kids would not go to sleep without us in the room. Jordan particularly. I remember just, you know, she, you would always have to rub her back. You still do. You'd always have to rub her back, you know. And, and you're rubbing her back and you're just doing that. And you think she's asleep. And so you would, I would come to the last little stroke and I would do this one finger. And as soon as it lifted up, you know, it was like, good night. I thought she was asleep. And you got to keep rubbing her back, rubbing her back, rubbing her back until she falls asleep. And then finally, when you're, you're finished and you take your hand off and she doesn't make a noise. Okay, she's asleep. And that means I can leave the room. And so what does it mean for her to be asleep? She is now unaware that my presence is gone. And that's what's happening a lot of times when Christians are asleep. You're unaware that the manifest presence of God in your life is not there. And because the manifest presence of God is not there. And why is it that a lot of kids have a hard time going to sleep when they're babies? Is because they're uncomfortable with their surroundings. They're uncomfortable with the dark. And so once they fall asleep, they're unaware of their surroundings. And that's what happens a lot of times with Christians. When they fall asleep, they're unaware that the manifest presence of God is not there. And they're unaware of the surroundings that are around them. And so they sleep comfortably when there is a war on. And there is a battle to be fought and a battle to be raged. And I want to talk to you for just a moment about this. And, and I, I, w- I would kind of tie it into maybe just the mundane of Christianity. And just listen to me for a moment. The mundane of Christianity. The boring times of Christianity. If you want to say that. The boring moments of it. And I want to say this to you. The answer to boredom in Christianity is not the practice of Christianity. It is the spirit-filled life. That's the answer to boredom. You live a spirit-filled life. You don't have time to be bored. You just don't. But Christians would typically go into a state of boredom and then a state of sleepiness because they do not live a spirit-filled life, but they are practicing Christianity with great diligence. And so the Christianity, practicing that is not the answer to boredom, but a spirit-filled life is, which will transform every kind of life that you could possibly imagine. Many people leave the church because they're boring. I want you to hear how I said that. Many people leave the church because they're boring. They say church is boring. They say God's boring. They're boring. They're boring. Their group of Christians might be boring. But Jesus is not boring. And the church of Jesus Christ that's doing discipleship is not boring. But that religious group of people could definitely be born. Jesus lived 30 years on this earth before he ever went into his ministry. And we don't read anything really about his life that is exciting for those first 30 years. But Jesus was constant for 30 years doing everything that he was supposed to do. No miracles occurred. There was no healings. There was nothing like that. He was learning his father. He was teaching men and things of that nature, but just nothing really dynamic or exciting in those first 30 years. But man, those last three years of his life were absolutely incredible. In three years, John said, if you were to try to list all of the miracles that Jesus did, there's not enough room in the world to store the books of it, of what Jesus Christ has done. 
Being spirit-filled, living in the anointing of God is absolutely exciting. And let me say this to you, because sometimes we, we really come, now, and I'm talking about spiritual maturity here. I'm talking about a supernatural life. There are times when we as Christians, we, we come into these seasons with God, these moments with God, when it just takes your breath away. God's presence is absolutely incredible. The moving of God's spirit is so tangible. You can feel it. Your life is changing. You don't ever want this to stop. If that never stopped, those moments would never be special. If every day was a vacation, you would never know what a vacation was. Vacations are special because it breaks up the monotony of your day-to-day life. And it gives you things sometimes to look forward to. I'll give you this example. I love football. I love playing football. I hated practice. And because I hated practice, I never got to play in a football game. Because I hated practice. And the reason I never got to play in a football game is because the coach didn't let me stay on the team. Because I hated practice. Let me tell you something, Christians. There, there's this thing, if, you could, if I could allude to it, there's this thing called practice, if you will. The Bible says practice godliness. Practice that, you know, disciplining yourself in godliness. If there's no practice, you're not going to play in the games in, in some way. That just simply means some of the day-to-day activities of Christianity is not because it's always fun, not because it's always exciting, not because there's just this wonderful manifest presence of God where we might go till midnight and then we come back the next week and it's not that. And we think, oh my gosh, you know, what, what happened to that? He's still there. He still wants us to pursue him. He still has many mountaintops like that for us. But sometimes we've got to walk through the valley to get there. We've got to go through some dry riverbeds to get to the still waters. But the tragedy is there are too many Christians that get bored along the way and they stop. And we have got to continue to pursue God for the reward of God and the blessing of God that that God in the day-to-day life, intimacy with God and fellowship with God is, is the most rewarding things that I have, that God is always with me. And sometimes he expresses himself to me in the most incredible ways. But sometimes it's not expressed that way. But I know that he's there. And I know that it's special. And this has to be enough for me. It has to be special to me that keeps me to pursue him more and more in my life. I want to be used of God. I want to live this life for the kingdom of God. I want my life to count for his kingdom. I want to be able to go before God in heaven one day and, and receive, I would pray, a full reward. I would, I would really desire that. I would pray that I would have crowns to lay at his feet. I would pray that there would be rewards that I could receive from God. I, 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 I live with this consciousness of that and a desperation for the Holy Spirit. Please use me. Please use me. I'm tired, but please use me. Use me more, God. Help me do more. Help me go more. Help me reach more. God, please help me to do that. I cannot, because of the Holy Spirit inside of my life, I cannot sit back and pretend that life is normal and there's nothing to do. He won't let me do that. There's something inside of me that pushes me. And I always want more and more of that. Maybe that's one reason I do what I do. Maybe God's allowed me to do that. I want to say this to you. That there's, a, there's, a, there's an encouragement in the book of Romans chapter 12. 
to be aglow in the Holy Spirit or to be fervent in the Holy Spirit. That, that word means boiling, boiling. And that is the encouragement of Paul in Romans chapter 12. But actually it's the encouragement of the Holy Spirit because he, he inspired Paul to say it. That, that actually my life in the Spirit, and, and, and there might be day-to-day activities that are just practical. Maybe there's not in, too many, you know, supernatural things that I'm able to talk about, but it's just day-to-day life, day-to-day business, day-to-day ministry, and, and nothing's exceptional about it. But even in those day-to-day things, I'm supposed to be boiling with the Holy Spirit. A glow. The spiritual temperature is to be high in believers. The Holy Spirit is the fire of that life. That's the people you look for. Not the educated, not the intelligent, not the talented. They'll bail on you. But those in whom the Holy Spirit is boiling, not because it's fun, not because there's some supernatural expression of God, but when there's absolutely nothing and you know that that person is walking through the greatest trial of their life, but they're boiling in the Holy Spirit. Keep your eye on them. Because they're going to walk with you. They're going to go through. They're going to fight with you. They're going to be there when others are bailing. They're going to be there. This is why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is necessary. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. That's why he's necessary in our life. Without the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we would offer God cold service, cold prayers, and cold worship. Romans chapter 12. I'm just going to read this from the Amplified Bible. Verses 9 through 16 says this. Let your Christian love be unhypocritical, always turning in horror from what is evil. Evil is that which is not beneficial to the body, dividing, hurting, or hindering. That's evil. So let your Christian love be unhypocritical, always turn in horror from what does not benefit the body of Christ. Turn in horror. Of anything that would divide the body, hinder the body, hurt the body. That's what the Holy Spirit's going to do in your life. You're not going to go on social media because you got your feelings hurt and slap Jesus across the face by bringing an indictment against the body of Christ. Not when you're boiling over in the Holy Spirit. But when we're living in our emotions and our feelings and our hurt, we'll just... Vomit everything out all over the world for the world to see. And then we wonder why our families are not saved and coming to Jesus. But we just talk about how awful Christians are, how awful church is, or how awful this is. And nobody cares and nobody loves me and all of this. No, turn in horror from that. Because the Holy Spirit is going to divert that into saying, you know what? I'm going to love people whether I'm loved back or not. And if I feel left out or isolated, then I'm going to start including people in my life. I'm not going to wait to be invited. I'm going to invite. This is the, this is the boiling over in the Holy Spirit in our life. Joining yourself to what is good. And that, that good means beneficial, unity, healthy, and edified. So instead of 
doing evil that hurts or divides the body. We're going to join ourselves to that which is beneficial, brings unity, brings health, and edifies the body. Spiritual gifts should benefit the body of Christ. They should never be used in such a way to bring discredit on the church. Spiritual gifts should be in submission and supervision and approval of the church and its leaders. In your brotherly love to one another, be tenderly affectionate. Take the lead. But how many times are there people in the house of God, because they're not living by a supernatural life, how many times do we not take the lead and we sit back and we wait and we test and we observe if anybody's going to notice me, if anybody's going to care, if anybody's going to get involved with my life, is anybody going to... And so we're kind of sitting back in this, watching and waiting, testing everybody whether they're going to do with us what we want. When the Bible says, wait a minute, don't have that attitude. Don't have that attitude at all. Don't you sit there and wait for somebody to do it for you. You take the lead. You take the lead. And when your life begins to do that, you're living in a supernatural power of God in your life. Showing honor and respect to one another. In earnest diligence, never be lagging behind, but boil over with the Spirit, rendering service as a slave to the Lord. By the blessed hope of Jesus' return, keep yourself joyful and cheerful. Enduring steadfastly in the time of trouble and persecution. And persevere in your prayer life. Constantly devote yourself to prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Earnestly look for opportunities to show hospitality. If you did that, you wouldn't be bored. You wouldn't fall asleep if that's what you're doing. Bless those who persecute. Stop cursing them. Bless them. Share the joy of those who rejoice and share the grief of those who weep. Live in harmony by being like-minded with one another. Do not be high-minded or have a haughty attitude. But associate yourself with the lowly members, not the important ones. But those that seem to be unimportant. Accept humble duties. Don't just do what you want. Accept the duties that need to be done. Do not consider yourself wise in your own conceited estimation of yourself. And so this is the motivation of Paul in Romans 12, 9 through 16, about living a spirit-filled life. And I, really quick, I want to go through several scriptures, and I'm going to bring this to a close. Hebrews chapter 4, if you will. Hebrews chapter 4, and I want to talk about this very quickly. And I apologize, it's Hebrews chapter 5, forgive me. But he says this in verse 12, and, and please read it with me. Turn here quickly and read it. Look at it in your Bibles. Don't just listen. Look at it in your Bibles. Hebrews five twelve. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. Is, is that the testimony you want? What, what, what if the majority of Christians had this verse written on their tombstones? You know, either you went on, got to the place of teaching other people and eating strong meat in the church, or remained a babe and always had to be milked their whole life. 
What would your, what would your tombstone say? What would it be? What, what would you want to be? Everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. He is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You use it. You use it. You exercise these things. And leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Do we always have to keep talking about repentance from the dead works and faith towards God? Don't we know that as Christians? Can we go on? Can we build the structure and raise the foundation? But no, when people are unskillful in the word and they're always needing to drink milk and they can't eat meat, which is the domination of, of the church culture today, you can't go and open up the word and minister the word of God in many churches today. The people would choke on it. But isn't it wonderful where you, you could have congregations of people that, you know, they, they've grown from that and they're no longer on milk and they can take the meat and the church can actually be built up into something very, very strong and glorifying to God. First Corinthians chapter three, Paul says this and I, verse one, and our brethren could not speak to you as to spiritual, but as to carnal, even as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able, for you are carnal. For whereas there is among you ending and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? And the reason they were carnal is because they had their favorite preachers. And that's what they were doing. They had their favorite preachers. That, that's, that's the example Paul gave them. You, you love Apollos, some of you love Peter, some of you love Paul, and the pious group loves Jesus. You know, you're divided over all of this. That's such carnality. I can't listen. He said, I can't feed you with meat. I have to feed you with milk. Don't you want some meat? Don't you want to grow? Don't you want to be spiritually mature and strong in your life? Growing not, not that you don't, not that you aren't. But in first Corinthians, first Timothy chapter four, just just two more in first Timothy chapter four, verse 14. Paul says to Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in you, which was given you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So I'd say that to you, guys, don't neglect the gift which is in you. And that gift is the Holy Spirit predominantly. Don't neglect that gift which is given to you by prophecy. And it could have been a specific call on Peter's or Timothy's life. But this is how you, you, you should not neglect it. Number one, meditate on these things. Meditate on them. Think about them. Dwell on it. Look at it from every angle, which, what God has gifted you with and what he wants to do with your life. And then give yourself completely to it. Completely to it. That your profiting may appear to all. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, he says, Wherefore I put you in remembrance... That you stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. Stir up the gift of God that is... Beloved, you can do that. You can do that. I just want you to understand that. Number one, Paul said... Because I'm talking about Hebrews 4, 5 and, and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're talking about spiritually immature, having to have milk and not meat, not growing up. When the time comes that we should grow up and we should be teachers of these things, but we're not. We have to always keep going back to elementary things. We can't seem to get past this. 
And so the Apostle Paul gives us these examples to Timothy. He said, you've been given a gift. Meditate on that gift. Give yourself wholly to that gift. And then he says to him again, stir up the gift that is in you. Give attention to it. Give attention to the call of God on your life. Give attention to what God wants to do with your life. Don't be a baby with it. Don't be spiritually immature with it. Practice this life. Practice walking with God. Live a life of faith. Be desperate for the Holy Spirit. Concentrate. Meditate upon the Holy Spirit. Dwell upon Him. Desire Him. Long for Him. And exercise yourself totally in the things of God. The fight of faith, the battle to behold the glory of the Lord is a day-by-day fight. And it is a violent fight. Kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It is a violent fight. Anybody that is spiritually mature will tell you that. Life is not about fun. Sometimes it's so aggressive and so difficult. You keep walking on by faith, overcoming the flesh, the environment, and things that you see and things that you feel. So I just want to conclude with this. I want to conclude with this. And I just want you to consider this in your life, that you've all been given a gift. You've been given the gift of life. You've been given the gift of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, if you're born again, has given you his Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ offers you the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Without the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you can just forget about the fire. That is the fire. The Holy Spirit is the fire. The Holy Spirit is the dynamic of our life. The Holy Spirit is the one that puts all of the reality of these invisible things tangibly in our life. And you put him on, you put on Jesus Christ and you walk in this life and you give yourself wholly to them. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Make the church of Jesus Christ great. Live your life to exhort the body of Christ. Live your life to lift up the body of Christ. Live your life to protect other Christians. Don't tear them down. Don't belittle them. Don't slap Jesus Christ across his body because of something momentarily that you might be going through. Don't gossip about his body. Don't slander his body. Don't ridicule his body. Don't point out the weaknesses of his body. Don't point out the failures of his body. Keep your mouth shut unless it's in prayer to God and jump into those areas of the body of Christ and make it glorious. By the power of the Holy Spirit, make it glorious. God did not give you discernment to belittle his people. He gave you discernment so you can know where he wants you to work and what he wants you to do. And he's given you the Holy Spirit for you to make a real difference in it. And when life is not fun and life is not easy and life is boring, don't fall asleep. Stir yourself up. And Jesus will give you light. Involve yourself in a Pentecostal ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. And you will not have time to be bored or time to go to sleep. Look for opportunities in your church and get involved with them. Don't just look for things that you want to do. Don't even look for things that you're talented with doing. Because your talent is not the gift of the Holy Spirit. Your talent and the gifts of the Spirit are two different things. There's a lot of things that you're talented to do, you like to do, and you enjoy doing it. But sometimes the Holy Spirit wants to maneuver you and put you in things that you don't like doing and you're not comfortable doing it because that is what demands your faith in God and you're going to need the Holy Spirit to do it. 
you're going to need the Holy Spirit to give you the right attitude to do it because you really don't like it and you really don't want to do it. And so you need the Holy Spirit to help you with the proper attitude, right? And all we want to do is what I like to do and what I enjoy to do. No, do whatever your hand finds to do. Look into the body of Christ. Listen to what the body of Christ is saying. Hey, we need help. We need help over here. We need help in fireplace. These guys up there in that tech, there's five of them, guys. Five of them. Do you know how many times they get to just sit in church and enjoy it like you are? It's, it, 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 for everybody, it might not be the most wonderful place to serve, but I thank God for these guys. I thank God, I thank God for them trying to run the sound and, and stream the live service and put words on the, on the wall so you can sing the songs with us. I thank God for them, but I, 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 I guarantee you they would love to have some breaks and be able to get into this altar like so many of us. Well, I don't, I'm, I'm not a techie person. Learn. Let the Holy Spirit give you a gift. Let him help you. Attempt it. See if there's an anointing on your life. Do it for three months. Do it for six months. It doesn't have to write your life away up there or fireplace or whatever it may be. Local outreaches, going out to LSU. Well, that's just not my call. That's not my ministry. I I guarantee it would require your faith to do that and a Holy Ghost attitude to do that. Facilities, helping with facilities and boxing up these boxes and gifts for women in addiction. Volunteering and helping with the Embrace Grace Ministry and women that are in a crisis pregnancy situation. Involving yourself in ESL or the cooking ministry or yard work. Joseph's been out here weeding beds for us the last couple of days. It's been beautiful watching him out there doing that. Just all by himself, weeding beds. Altar ministry, choirs of praise. Come on, get involved in these things. You're not going to fall asleep. You're not going to fall asleep. There's just too much to do. Make the church glorious. Make it great. It's not always up here. You know, the people that make the church beautiful, honestly, are not the people up here. It's you guys. You're the ones. You make everything possible. Your faith and your life and your devotion. Exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. Exercise the gifts of... Don't wait for a feeling. Live by faith. And faith does not operate through feelings. Faith operates by the word of God. Serve God. Live in faith. Is it biblical? Will it edify the body of Christ? Will it glorify God? Is it New Testament in its nature? And if it is, go for it and do it. I want you to stand with me. I want to say this as you're standing. For the king, for the king we should all desire to cause the lost to worship God and to seek the good of the church of Jesus Christ for the king and he's equipped us by his spirit to do that for the king for the king tonight I would just ask you to devote your life to his cause to allow the Holy Spirit to anoint you that you would be wise and know what the will of God is that you would be willing to say to the Lord that if you will help me and you will give me that fire of the Holy Spirit I give myself to you in service I just encourage you to do that. God, when I begin to see needs in the body of Christ, I'm not going to run away from it. I'm going to move towards that. And I'm going to trust you to use me, to help me. Maybe you've hurt the body of Christ. Maybe you've slapped the body of Christ on social media. You say, how do I slap the body of Christ on social media? Well, if you slander another Christian, 
If you put the body of Christ or the church in a bad light, you're slapping the body of Jesus Christ. Maybe we've done that. Let's ask the Lord for forgiveness. Maybe we've gossiped or we've slandered or we've caused division. Let's ask the Lord to forgive us. Let's ask the Lord to forgive us. Maybe in, in, in the boring days, the humdrum days, we find it so hard to live a life of joy and a life of expectation. But the Holy Spirit will change all of that. All of that. The trials of your life, the pressures of your life are there to make you stronger, not weaker, but to make you stronger. So the altars are open. If, if We're just going to come and worship God. We're just going to take a few minutes before we close tonight just to present ourselves to the Lord. And we want the Holy Spirit to keep us aflame. I want to be aflamed with God. I want to be on fire by the Holy Spirit. I want to be boiling over when life is fun or when it's boring. It doesn't matter to me. I just want to be God's. I want to be intimate with Him. I want the church to be great. I want Jesus to have His glory in the church. I want to take the lead. I I just sit around waiting for somebody to do something for me. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to start doing stuff for other people. I just want to take the lead. And I'm going to begin to do that for other people. Maybe that's, maybe that's you tonight. Why don't you commit that to the Lord? Ask the Lord to give you the Holy Spirit and the anointing of His Spirit to be able to do that in your life. We don't have much time. So very short. But in the time that we have, let's exalt Jesus. Let's exalt Him in each other. Let's build up the body of Christ. Let's be able to eat the meat of God's Word. Let us go on unto perfection, the knowledge of Christ, and the things of God in this life.